Hi, everybody. The episode for today is really talking about why the minimum wage needs to be increased. And one of the tools that I'm using for today is the Living Wage Calculator, which is available through MIT. I will put the website in the description of the podcast, but essentially it is a calculator that allows you to look up what the living wage, the minimum wage, and the pop, well, not the minimum, but the poverty wage, livable wage, um, is relative to your county and state. So the information that I'm looking up is relative to San Diego County because that's where I live. Now, personally, I don't think that $15 is enough for a minimum wage, and I will go into why I don't believe that. But um, let's start out by saying this is talking about the federal minimum wage. So when you hear people talking about increasing the federal minimum wage, that would allow it to be raised in all states because it's set you know, by the government as opposed to being allowed to be set by each state. Currently, the federal minimum wage is $7.25, and it has been that way since 2009. So it has been a significant amount of time, and that wage has not increased while the costs of living, things like housing, education, health care, etc., food prices have all gone up exponentially in that same twelve now 12-year period. Well, this summer, I guess, will be you know the completion of the 12th year. And when you look at the calculator for MIT for San Diego County, having zero children, so being one adult with zero children, the poverty wage, it breaks it down into three groups. So it has the living wage, poverty wage, and the minimum wage. The poverty wage in San Diego County with for one adult and zero children is $6 an hour, which is very which is, you know, pretty close to what it is now. Um, especially depending on what field you're in, you may not be making, you know, um, much more than that per hour. The minimum wage in San Diego County right now is $12 an hour. So even raising it to 15 would still keep you under the living wage for one adult with zero children. So it says that for San Diego County, one adult with zero children, you would need at least $16.57 to be able to live. So that just means on average being able to pay for your um, all of your necessary needs, right? Your physiological needs like shelter, water, etc. And, you know, probably a good chunk of your safety needs. So having, um, you know, a safe place to live and being able to furnish yourself with the things that you need to survive. So even if we just look at $15 an hour, um, if you're considering that someone's working a full-time job at 40 hours a week, you know, obviously give or take a couple hours, some jobs you're full-time at 35, but at a 40-hour-a-week job at $15 an hour, that's $600 a week. And some of you know, I'm not a numbers cruncher, so (laughs) um, I just did all this with my calculator. That's $600 a week, and it comes out to $2,400 a month, which at the end of the year puts you at a gross income of $28,800 a year. But you know, taxes are very important, right? So at $28,800 a year, you are in the 12% tax bracket if you're single, which means that you are, and this is based on the 2020 taxes, which means that, um, you know, you're not coming home with that full $28,000 a year. Your share of your annual taxes would be about $3,400, which means that your net income 
for a year is $25,344. So that's how much you're actually making. So that's important for the rest of the things I'm going to talk about. The average cost of rent in California from statistics from 2015, so obviously it's gone up since then, the average rent in California is $1,240. Obviously, that's going to be much higher if you're in one of the major cities in California and, um, you know, like Los Angeles, different places in the Bay Area. I'm sure Sacramento as well, since it's the capital and San Diego. And the average cost of a home in California in 2015 was $437,000. And keep in mind, that's just the average for the state. So that's taking into consideration all of the counties in the state and Um, and of course, like I said, in the major cities, it's going to be different. So taking that $2,400 a month that we were looking at, and of course, you know, you could take off part of that, you know, taxes for that month. So if you have $2,400 a month coming in, you're paying about $288 a month in taxes. So your bring home is about a little over two grand, $2,100. Even looking at the minimum or the average rent for California at 1240 that is over half of what you're bringing in every month. And any type of savings calculator or, you know, financial advice that you read tells you that you should not live anywhere where your um, housing costs more than, I think it's like 20 to 25% of your income. But obviously that's not possible for most people. Again, this is just looking at the average. So thinking about it, I mean, you could think about how this relates to where you live in San Diego County. If you lived anywhere for 1240, you're probably living in a studio or maybe a one bedroom apartment for that price. And, um, you know, you'd have to live in certain parts of town to be able to afford that. And really, this has a lot to do with other things, but I'm going to save it. So anyway, you would only have about $870 thinking about that, you know, if you're making $15 an hour. And that $870, of course, has to go toward other things, right? The costs of living, which is why it's considered, you know, you hear the term livable wage. That's what livable wage means. And like I said, $15 doesn't even cut it. So that other $870 has to go toward your transportation costs, right? Do you live in a place where there's a high transit system? You know, San Diego County does not have, we have a rapid transit system, but it's not nearly as efficient as it could be. And it doesn't cover the areas that it could if we were going to have like a more of a sustainable green city. And, you know, my husband talks to me about that all the time. So I like use those words a little bit more than I did before. But um, same thing with Los Angeles. Most of us in the state of California rely on cars. And there's a statistic that says that about 70 percent of all of, you know, for most people's income is spent on transportation costs alone. So that could be, you know, their car payment, their maintenance for their car, paying for um you know, rapid passes for their car. If you're going to, you know, drive in some of the HOV lanes without, you know, carpooling, gas, insurance, the whole nine. You also have to pay for healthcare. So we know that healthcare is no longer an option. Everybody legally has to have healthcare, but some people, even at their professional jobs, aren't able to find a tiered system. So I'll just use myself as an example. When I was adjuncting, which meant that I was a part-time college professor, um, I'd have to teach so many classes at one of the districts I worked at, and 
if I didn't teach those classes, then I wouldn't have a healthcare option. But if I did, I only had one option. It was Kaiser and it was about $280 a month. And just to give you some example, adjunct part-time college professors get paid just for the class time that they're physically in the room teaching you. So most of us, even if you teach three, even if you teach three classes, I don't know why I can't talk. Um, your income is going to be between eighteen hundred to two thousand dollars a month for those three classes. Okay, because again, it's just for like the hour and fifteen minutes or the hour and twenty minutes you're in class. Okay, so having to pay, looking at the numbers I already crunched, having to pay you know two hundred eighty dollars for the healthcare would be a huge chunk of whatever I you know hypothetically had left. Continuing on, people have to pay for food, right? Obviously, you need food to live. So thinking about, you know, this isn't even considering if you have things like dietary restrictions or if you have to pay for medicine, if you have to eat specialty food because of an allergy or just even if it's just a preference, if it's a cultural restriction, etc., Continuing on water also, since most people don't have, live in areas where they can drink the tap water, we have to buy bottled water. And on top of that, wherever you live, most people have to pay for the water that they have coming for their showers. They have to pay for the sewage. Trash services are usually added into a lot of these bills. And people also have to pay for connectivity. So that's internet, your phone bill. Most people don't have landlines now, but you know your cell phone is also part of connectivity. Um, if you have any streaming services that you want or need, depending on you know what you do for your job or how your family situation is, you may be paying for um, streaming services and or cable packages. So um, I forgot to say that one of the things I thought was interesting was that the Experian uh, numbers say that the average person pays $523 a month for their car payment on a new car. So again, I'm just thinking about that $870. So even at $15 an hour, which I know for some people sounds like it's ridiculous because, you know, you always hear people say these types of things like, well, you know, why should the person flipping burgers or the person dipping fries or the person mopping the floor spin get $15 an hour? Um, hello, because it's not even technically within the livable wage category if you're a single adult and have no children. If you're a single adult and you have one child, the living wage, like what you would need to pay all of these things I've already mentioned, you'd need to make at least $33 an hour. If you have two children, that's an extra $6 an hour. Three children, it says for livable wage, you'd have to make $52 an hour. They also have statistics for two adults with one working and two adults with both working up to three children. Okay, so again, the livable wage here is about just being able to meet all of these different expenses. It also says the typical expenses in San Diego County based on these, um, like the amounts of how much things cost on average within the county. The average cost for food, if you have no children and you're one adult, is Childcare obviously is zero because it's in this case you're assuming you have no children. Medical is twenty two hundred dollars, and I'm sure this is for the year, right? Housing seventeen thousand dollars, transportation four thousand dollars, 
and your required annual income after taxes would have to be $29,000. And again, be having $15 an hour as a minimum wage would not cut that, even if you're a single adult with no children. Let's just look at something else. If you are two adults, both working, <laughs> you would need to make, excuse me, your annual expenses, it says, for food with one child is $8,000 a year. Your housing is a little over, well, almost twenty nine. excuse me, $25,000 for the year. Child care expenses are almost eight and a eight point five thousand dollars, so eight thousand four hundred and forty eight dollars. Medical expenses for two adults and one child seven grand for the year. And I always like chuckle at these two because of, you know I don't have children yet, and sometimes when I see these numbers, I'm like, yeah, <laughs> like, this is ridiculous. Like this is supposed to be the wealthiest nation. We're told by our own people that this is the wealthiest nation in the world. Yet you know we have people who don't make enough money to be able to pay all of these expenses that it costs legally and basic at a basic level to be citizens of the country. Now, let me go back to the home price. So, of course, the average housing cost in 2015 for California was 437000 But again, that's in all parts of the state. So I would say the average in San Diego is probably closer to five or $600,000. Just to give you some um, breaking that number down a little bit more, the average land cost per acre in the state of California is $20,000 per acre. But in um, San Francisco, the average cost per acre was $400,000. So again, it does vary depending on what region you're in. Most people know those things. But this also relates to how um, the shortage of housing. So there's been discussions recently about a shortage of housing in a lot of places. There are people who want to purchase homes, but are not able to, right? There's not enough homes to meet the demand for people. And Oftentimes we hear people say, oh, well, it's, you know, why would you pay rent when you could, you know, buy a house? It's not just as simple as that. In order to buy a home, you don't necessarily need a down payment if you're a first time home owner. Many cities do offer services that help first time homeowners, especially people who are within income brackets, um, take classes and learn, you know, some grants and things that they can apply for to help get a home. But you know, you have to consider what times are those classes being offered, how much of an initial investment is this, and credit scores have a lot to do with these things. Now, you know, and, you know, even thinking about when I was trying to get my first um, a studio apartment in Imperial Beach after I finished graduate school and I had started teaching, you know, a good number of classes to be able to, like, sustain paying rent, um, they looked at my credit score to, you know, get that. So, you know, that number that we discussed with income isn't even taking into consideration people like myself at that time who are, you know, have finished college within the, you know, the first couple years. Now I have the privilege of not having any student debt. My dad gave me his GI bill, so I didn't have to pay for college. Um, but most people do have to pay. So imagine how that could have affected my credit score, even though it doesn't mean that I'm bad with money. It's just, if I'm not able to make those payments, we know that they are typically very high. It could have affected my credit score, which would have affected me living in a place that I wanted to live in a place that I felt safe. 
And one of the things that as a historian really makes me upset is that when people say things that, you know, lend to that they don't feel like people who they think are in service capacity jobs deserve to make what is technically still under the livable wage, it really makes me upset because historically, these are the people who have fought for all of the rights that the rest of us benefit from, okay? People fighting to unionize, people fighting and dying to do that. People, and I'm not even talking about the gender or the racial restrictions on people. I'm just talking about just, you know, base level, like scratching the surface here. People who sacrificed and put their bodies on the line to fight for people to have a 40 hour work week, to not have to work six, seven days a week to pay their bills, to be able to get health care insurance on the job. These employers, these jobs, these corporations don't want to pay for these things. Some of you, if you were looking at Proposition 22, I went on enough rants on this on my social media because it was about allowing people to unionize. And if you look at some of the current events with, you know, Instacart workers, they're letting these people go. People who, you know, and there are plenty of people who also have been trying to unionize in the last few years and they get fired for doing that. Unions are important. And I can tell you from my own experience that when I used to do, you know, work retail jobs and lower end jobs, when I was, um, you know, in community college and even, you know, when I was, um, not so much when I was in college because I moved into education at a certain point, but a lot of these jobs try to discourage you from unionizing. They say, oh, well, you don't need the union. You know, we're going to take care of you. Or you don't need the union, blah, blah, blah. You do. You do need somebody who's there to make sure that you can't just be fired for no reason or that your your employer can't just start writing you up for random things. And you all know either it's happened to you or you know people it happens to when your job decides, oh, we're tired of somebody. They start looking for any reason they can to write you up so they can legally on paper get rid of you. Okay, I'm not even going to go into all that. Let's look at um, people who have, you know, quote, professional jobs. So looking at the California Department of Education website, it says that the um, salary of a beginning teacher in a middle-sized classroom, meaning has like um, like the middle number of students you can have in the classroom because their pay does vary, I guess, in some cases by how many students that they teach in the classroom, the starting education Oh, excuse me, the starting teacher <laughs> from the Department of Education says that they make $47,800 a year. But what's important to note is that that puts them in the 22% tax bracket, which means that they're losing about a little over $10,000. They're losing almost a quarter of their pay in taxes. So they're only bringing home $37,000 a year as a beginning teacher. Now, some of you might think, okay, that doesn't sound that bad, right? I'm not saying it sounds that bad on paper, but consider the amount it costs to even get your education. So looking at San Diego State, their, excuse me, not average, their uh, tuition for in-state residents is $7,700 a semester. Now, if you go to a community college first and you transfer into a state school, this is of course, this rate um, is going to be pretty comparable for any of the CSU campuses. If you're transferring in as an in-state student, um, you're going to roughly do about four and a half semesters. So about two and a half, well, excuse me, two and a half years, which comes out to about 4.5 semesters to get your degree. And even at that, that costs about $34,650. 
Okay. (laughs) So that's just you doing two and a half years at a state school after, you know, going to community college for free. So if you're a beginning teacher who makes $37,000 a year and you're paying a student loan debt on that 34 grand that you borrowed to get just the BA, that's not even considering the teaching credential, that program that you have to go through, um, which is going to be a couple extra thousand dollars. That's not enough for you to be able to live within the means that people assume that you would be living now that you have this professional job, right? It severely cuts down the amount of money you're bringing into your home because you're having to pay back the interest on this loan before you even touch the principal, before you even touch the money that you've borrowed, you're paying on the interest. And then you also have to worry about, um, a lot of teachers make, they're on like a month to month or a certain number of months for their salary. So a lot of full-time professors or even people who are on a sort of salary scale are on a 10 or 11 month um, pay scale, which means that whatever their annual salary is, it's broken down into 10 or 11 equal checks. So most teachers do not get paid through the summer months, at least for one or two of those summer months. So a lot of people who are on um, unemployment assistance are people who are your teachers, people who teach public education, people who are your college professors. Most of them, most of us, myself having been included in that group previously, are getting unemployment for at least the month of August. Okay, now these are people who, again, society tries to tell you, oh, you know, you finish school, you get a good job. They try to make it seem like this minimum wage increase does not affect you, but it absolutely does. There are some people who think that, oh, well, you know, if minimum wage goes up, then the price of everything else is going to go up. Do you understand that it's already that way now? (laughs) Things have been going up, which is why even raising it to $15 an hour is not enough as, as a livable wage. People who are at jobs that pay that now need to be advocating on their jobs to have an increase in their pay relative to the work that they're doing. This is all part of a domino system, which is why the companies don't want you to talk about it. They don't they want to keep you thinking that it's just these, you know, low income earners who shouldn't be making that money. Right. You can't claim to love the economy if you don't want people to have more money to keep that economy going right a lot of people who act like you know they're pro-capitalism and you know they give they give a crap about the economy they're the same people saying they don't want certain people to have more money and really this all goes back to a history in this country of feeling like people have a superiority over others based on the work that they're doing or based on the amount of money that they're making there are so many people who are functionally poor I've made it I've made this comment in a previous podcast but there is no official minimum wage and you have to understand that that is on purpose. If there's nothing you can do to gauge your income relative to a number that is considered the um you know the average for the whole state or the average for the whole country then you have no idea if you're not being paid your worth. And one of the reasons they don't want people who are seen as the lower service capacity to make um, this money every hour to have the increase to $15 an hour is because, of course, there would be a domino effect. People who make 15 while others make 12 would say, "Okay, well, I want 18 now. Right. Because it needs to be balanced out so that everybody's getting paid more. I mean, every most people who work 
are underpaid for the work and the labor that they do. Going back to being a teacher, you know, I know plenty of people who are teachers and especially people who are part time when I was adjuncting myself and we don't get any type of stipend for any of the tools or sources or um, memberships or anything that we are trying to bring into the classroom for students. Right. We don't have access to those things. There are I mean, I was trying to get one of the campuses to pay a subscription fee. It was, I think, like $100 so that I could have my PowerPoints captioned for students who are blind. So that, right, excuse me, captioned for, for um, students who are deaf and also um, have an audio on the PowerPoint for people who are blind so they can still hear the PowerPoint since they can't just look at the screen. And the school didn't want to pay the fee. Okay, so these are I'm not going to air them out here because this isn't what we're talking about. But the point is that, you know, some teachers now, of course, I have the privilege now to be able to afford it on my own. But what about people like when I was starting out six, seven years ago, I couldn't have paid for that. I, I didn't have the money. I did not have the money. I was already pulling in the bare minimum. So. I wanted to do this about the increase in minimum wage because I think it's very important that people consider the how the numbers look for any given county that they live in. And again, like this living wage calculator, you can look up what county and what state you're in and you can look up how the numbers are crunched. And this is data that's updated annually in the first quarter of every year. And it's taking into con- and then take into consideration how those numbers look when you're looking at the current tax rates. Okay, it's not it's ridiculous to me that people are so bent out of shape about that increase potentially of a fifteen dollar an hour federal minimum wage, when in this county it's not even how much you need without kids as one single adult to be able to make all of your expenses. That's just ridiculous to me. You to me, as far as like looking at the statistics, it says you need sixteen dollars and fifty seven cents if you're a single adult with no children to make, you know, to just to live like just to make the bare minimum to be able to pay all of your bills and not rely on any sort of assistance. Okay. In order for those people to participate in the economy, they would have to make at least twenty dollars an hour. That extra three fifty an hour would allow them to do things like eat out at some of these small businesses, right? Purchase more things, buy extra things for themselves or for their family, for their friends to keep the economy going. And we're going to need that when this pandemic is over. People are going to need to have money to be able to go into the economy because we're going to be in a financial strain as a result of this. Even when people do get back to work, you know, we've had a fundamental shift in how people are seen at work. I want you to consider a lot of the people who people, a lot of the people that others don't think deserve that $15 an hour minimum wage are the ones who are working through the pandemic, getting the groceries, bagging them and delivering them to your home so that you didn't have to, that people didn't have to risk going to the grocery store or keeping the numbers low in the stores at any given time. You know, people who were making sure that the fuel attendant, that the fuel uh, stations were attended or that the stores were open. And, you know, I know that there are a lot of people who 
have a lot to say about corporations and well, why can Target and Walmart stay open and my small business can't? I understand that. One of the things I want to mention is that a lot of those stores do offer um, medical services to people. So I am not pro <laughs> Walmart or pro Target or any other corporation, but I do want to say that to a certain degree they would have to be open because they're not just selling, um, you know, items like frivolous items. They're selling food and they're also providing people with their medicine and other survival tools. So, um, I think that's where I'm going to end this one, but you know, obviously, uh, I think that the minimum wage does need to increase to at least 20, um, especially in counties that have a higher cost of living like San Diego. We'll see how the government and well, the federal government, as well as our state governments and our local governments, like our mayors and all of them hash this out. This is why it's very important to pay attention to local elections and um, local propositions for how these things are adjusted, as well as uh, increases in sales tax and such, because it all is tied in with each other. And another thing, I just got a registration statement in the mail for one of the cars that we have. And I was thinking, you know, California really just needs to send everybody their next year sticker for free. Like none of us were allowed to be on the road this year, really. So I think that California has enough money just to send everyone their next sticker. And then <laughs> um, we can go from there. We could start paying in 2022 for the, um, the next year's sticker. So I'm going to leave you all off. Have a great day and I'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. <laughs>